Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My topic today is enabling a high security mobile workforce in the federal government. My privilege to be speaking with Michael Campbell. He's General Manager of Provoro Government Solutions. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Michael, what do you find to be the unique risks and threats to the federal government mobile workforce? The easy way to answer that question is to step back and think about the risks that commercial mobile devices place upon the users. So today, the commercial mobile devices that are in use are truly wonderful devices. They have hundreds of billions of dollars of developmental work uh, that has gone into the development and creation of this amazing platform. They are capable of doing a lot of things. So because of that, uh, the phone manufacturers themselves, the app developers, so your, your Instagrams and your Facebooks and your Twitters and et cetera, they have access to a lot of uh, information that these wonderful devices give them. The devices have cameras that can record from the front and back, and they have microphones. Most people don't even realize, and people that work in the mobile device industry <laughs> don't even realize how many microphones are on a commercial mobile device, the typical device. They range from anywhere from two to as many as five on a given platform. And in some of those cases, those microphones are uh, the exclusive access of the actual phone manufacturer themselves. So if you think federal government, anyone working in government is at risk of disclosing sensitive information. Everyone is dealing with something that could be sensitive. If they, in the course of their work, have a device, a commercial mobile device, that they never know if it's on or off, then that device could disclose or be leaking uh, information, either to these overreaching app developers or to someone that has gained access to your device for other reasons, nefarious reasons. And in the aggregate, that data becomes quite powerful. They're able to take the data uh, for example, if it was recording conversations, it can translate or, or capture a recording of someone, translate that to text, and then do keyword searches and then aggregate the data. And in the, in the bulk, the collection of all that gives away quite a bit of sensitive information. So that's everyone, kind of the everyone use case. Now, clearly anyone that has a very sensitive role, someone who knows that they have to work around what is either called secret or sensitive or confidential type information is even at greater risk. And because of that today, the restrictions have begun to be, have begun to be put in place. Uh, I was going to give an example too. Uh, uh, most people say, ah, there's just really not that many people that work around sensitive information. And uh, as an example, and I was telling you just when we were talking earlier was I was around 96 separate agencies that have special agents or law enforcement arms where they're out doing active in investigations or they are around and doing confidential type work. That's basically the entire federal government. They all have these arms and that's extremely sensitive work. So really where you say, oh, this is a DOD problem or this is an intelligence community problem. Well, the reality is it's a problem that's across the entire federal government. So Michael, it's clear you're in a unique space. How would you say that the government sector is leveraging or not mobile technologies differently than what you see in the private sector? Let's break that one down as well. So in government, what normally happens is that they will actually issue you. So they, 
they will issue a device. So they're embracing mobility and the need for mobility in some way, shape, or form. But instead of letting you use a device that possibly you have acquired for yourself, a personal device of some sort, they're like, no, 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 that's too risky. I must have some control. So they'll issue a device. That's unique. In the, in the commercial space, it's almost always you bring or buy your own device, then you sign some agreement that gives you access to, to your company, your commercial assets and services. But in government, no, no. Got to have an issued device. That way I have a much more greater, I, the organizational owner, the government leader, I have greater control over that device. Depending on who you are, again, you'll, you'll get issued a device. You'll have a service plan that supports that device. And this gives you the ability to be reachable uh, you know, while on the move. Now, it is interesting. Everyone doesn't think that, oh, there's not that many. There are easily hundreds of thousands of devices issued to government employees in the federal government. The GSA, Government Services Agency, has provided over 100,000 devices to every agency. <laughs> Last time they did an actual audit, they could account for over 3 million different service plans that had been provided out inside the federal government. With this, however, it becomes an awareness that there is a, a problem. People are using the mobile devices that are issued to them, and people are also, if they're not issued one, they're actually just using a personal device outside sort of the work boundaries, but it allows their life to be further, to do their job easier. So Michael, I know that some government agencies actually restrict the use of mobile devices. What are the immediate consequences when that's the, the policy? So actually, kind of expanding on your earlier question, uh, to give context to what you just asked was, look, so there are a lot of devices that are issued, and people are beginning to use them in just every, every aspect of their government job. There is an awareness that this is a risk. So in the first, the first question, you said, what's the risk? Well, that, that awareness of these devices being able to listen or um, take pictures and, and track other things that you do, capture data is recognized. And because of that, there is an ever-increasing lockdown on those devices. If you go to work in an organization that acknowledges a sensitive mission, you're going to see a lockbox sitting outside of the office. And that lockbox is where you'll stick your mobile device and you'll then go to a desk. You won't have access to that lockbox. Okay, so that comes with an impact. What are the consequences of that restriction? I almost laughed. So I can, I'll, let me tell a story, like a really brief story. We had a gentleman who is in his like early 20s, developer. Uh, he is used to working on multiple different automated type systems to do his job. He's coding, he's checking, he's collaborating, he's doing multiple things to enable an outcome. We brought him in and took him into a government environment uh, where we were doing some stuff. And he had to give up everything. He had to give up his, his mobile phone. He had to give up his tablet. He walked into an environment where no one had any connectivity except for a desk phone and a desktop computer. And he looked super frustrated. And he was not really sure how he was going to do the job that we had asked him to do. And another older government employee could sense that he was frustrated and brought over to him a tablet, a piece of paper, a tablet, a paper and a pen and dropped it on the desk in front of him. And the young gentleman looked at him like he was crazy. Like, how is this supposed to help me? And the reason I say that story is because it is like going back in time. So the real consequence of cutting back or restricting the use of modern mobile technologies is that you really go back. You're operating like, like a 1980s organization where, you know, in the eighties, you might've left the building to go smoke extensively. Today you run out of the building to use your phone. 
because you have to play catch up. And whether that's for personal reasons, which some people might say it is, but it's usually not actually. It's because you're doing some work that is easier on the mobile device than it is on the tool that is sitting at your desk. If you're even at a desk, because sometimes you're not, you don't even go to your desk. And so that's really the impact. I'm restricted while I'm at the office. And then the other aspect of it is, hey, these things are so risky, I have to put them in a lockbox. But then if I'm, I'm not at work, then I jokingly say hope and prayer. It's training that you won't discuss something that is sensitive or disclose something that should not be disclosed. But uh, the reality is that, that everyone self-selects that level of risk and whether or not they're going to share it or do something. People go to lunch. People go to remote conferences. People go to work in a remote site. People take phone calls from their cars and declare them sensitive, secure environments. These kind of things are happening every day. So the impact on it is that there is no risk, risk mitigation, real risk mitigation, while you're on the move. and then. Inside the, the work environment, you're definitely operating in a constrained and ineffective way compared to what you could be. Michael, just following up on the story you told, what impact do you see potentially long-term in regarding the mission, recruitment, retaining this future workforce? So that actually is a concern that is growing everywhere. The, the government workforce has been called older many times, but the reality is whether it's older or younger is you want to recruit young, bright people into your environment. Today's young, bright people have had a mobile device attached to their hand since they were very little. Um, like my children for today, you know, one day they'll go into the workforce if there isn't a video screen up when they make a phone call, they think the phone is broken. But that's the way they grow up. And so today, if you're trying to recruit a person straight out of college, someone that's been out of college for a few years, they definitely would prefer to be in an environment where they can remain connected and leverage the tools that are available to them to be very fast and collaborative and other things that these, things, these platforms give them. And if you tell me you're going to take that away from me, and I have other options, I'm most likely going to go work somewhere else. And that's happening. I've been told that recruiting and retention are seriously down across the entire government. And they're really impacting um, the contractual workforce as well. Because if you, whether you're government or you're a contractor supporting government, you're being impacted by these same restrictions. That's the kind of the recruiting and retention aspect. And, and I don't know if you touched on mission, but mission also is impacted whether it's an opinion or a fact, the joke is that government takes forever to do anything. And in a lot of ways that is true for many reasons, but one of them today would be that people are just slow to make decisions. They're slow to get it back to you. They're slow to collaborate with you. I have seen and experienced sometimes days and weeks between communication because I can't get a hold of someone. They have disappeared during the workday. Their phone is in a lockbox. They're not at their desk. So how do I get a hold of them to get them to make a decision, to move forward on something, to agree to something? And it becomes quite challenging. And that's a simple mission impact. There are bigger mission impacts um, as well, but those are ones I think I want to share and emphasize the most. So, Michael, what strategies Provoro seeing government agencies take to mitigate the risks of commercial mobile devices while still allowing their use? That is a good news story, and I appreciate the opportunity to share it. So, one, I've never seen a collection of interested parties across government come together on an issue like I have seen them come together around mobility. We have been in and around, I don't know, 15, 16 different government agencies 
in working sessions to discuss options to move forward to solve the problem. So one, everyone sees it as a problem and everyone is anxious and looking for what can we do. So that's part of the good news story. The other part of the good news story is some agencies, some DOD organizations, some federal agencies are taking steps. The steps are around reducing or mitigating risk. The first big thing is you've got to control camera and microphones on this commercial device. This commercial device that was designed to do everything that has a very large surface attack area, has lots of cameras, lots of microphones. I've got to somehow disable those things. So they're taking actions with available technologies to do that. The other part is they're gating access to different services so that maybe I have multiple work environments or multiple environments on my commercial device. I have a personal environment and I have a work environment. They're figuring out and leveraging technologies to, to separate those. And then the other is they're actually um, investing in the wireless solutions that allow them to govern the data as a person is working, a person is using their tool, the mobile device technologies. Kind of in the way that you would have done this with fixed infrastructure over the last decades, today it's starting to put those same investments into the wireless solutions. And you're bringing this entire portfolio together and it becomes a comprehensive solution that says, hey, that commercial mobile devices, the risks have been mitigated, go ahead and carry that device. Use that device in the work environment and then use that device while you're out doing your job on the move. So, Michael, given the strategy you've described, what cost benefit do you think agencies could achieve? So there's two ways to answer that question. One is a, how do I pay for this? How do I, what is the strategy to fund my investment that I was speaking to, this portfolio play? And then what is the implied savings or the expected savings? So the strategy is, look, there is an existing spend on technology, information technologies. Information technology today uh, primarily is on fixed endpoints desktop phones, desktop computers, conference rooms, things like that, things that don't move. Massive investment, there's a big life cycle budget that goes with that in, uh, that, those technologies. What we're seeing is an analysis of that spend, which is enormous. Some people <laughs> cost their organization as much as $15,000 a year to sustain their fixed endpoint technologies that they use, that they can only use at their desk. Almost everyone, is, it costs about $5,000 a year to maintain that fixed endpoint technologies. So as, as there's a recognition that, look, nobody really sits at their desk all day anymore. Very few people do. Everyone's collaborating in their job. Everybody's moving. So how do we just take and shift that investment? So let's not life cycle the, the, the fixed endpoint solutions. Let's, instead of life cycling, we'll let that run to end of life. End of life on most of those technologies is five to 10 years, definitely five years. So let those things run to end of life and we'll shift that investment into a mobile phone, a tablet, uh, the wireless infrastructure, all of the other systems that allow you to, to put a mobile, secure mobile solution in place. So that's one, that, that gets you the funding you need. The second is how do I articulate the savings? And there's actually been numerous different independent studies that kind of all concluded on the same thing. If I can give back to a the typical government employee, now again, this is an enterprise type aspect of it, not even talking mission, but enterprise, you know, office working type employees, if I can give back 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day where they make a decision, where they review a document, where they um, agree or disagree on something, whether they, uh, or increase their knowledge about something that's coming up, 
the amount of value on that is in the millions, even for a small organization per year. And again, just 30 minutes, 30 minutes. It's definitely going to be more than 30 minutes, but no one can argue that I can get 30 minutes back if I can carry my phone all the time safely, securely. Well, Michael, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for sharing your insight. No, no, I love to tell stories and I love to share what we are seeing and doing to, to help with mobile technologies uh, adoption across the federal government. Again, we've been talking about how to enable a high security mobile workforce in the federal government. I've been speaking with Michael Campbell. He's general manager of Provoro Government Solutions. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.